We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We are live here on a Tuesday during a bye week, which means that we usually do a little bit of big picture stuff. And I actually think this is a perfect time for a little bit of big picture stuff as Notre Dame comes down the stretch, seven and three, two regular season games left in the season, and then obviously a bowl game that will follow there. But we know after watching the 31 to 23 loss to Clemson this past weekend, that was 24 to 9 at one point in that football game in the first half. That Notre Dame, there are some issues with this team right now. And there are things that we really want to hit on and be able to look. This is the reality. We need to understand that the, we need to accept the reality we're in and understand that we're not okay with being here, right? There's still growth that could happen for the rest of this season and into next season. We can't wallow in the pity of what seven and three feels like right now. So we all need to understand and come to terms with this is a disappointing season. Whether Notre Dame wins their last two games, goes nine and three, wins a bowl game, gets 10 wins, first 10 win season under Marcus Freeman in his in his tenure so far, it's still a disappointing season. No matter how we cut it, no matter how we slice it, how we paint it, how national media paints it, whatever. But there are still things that Notre Dame can do heading down the stretch here that we can take into the offseason, into the future of the Notre Dame program, and feel like there's something that's being grown here and there's a foundation that's being built that is making us a little bit more optimistic for the year. Because if we ended the season today with how the offenses looked, with how they looked against Clemson, not many people would be very optimistic about the future of Notre Dame football. But there's still three games left to play. So we want to talk a lot about today what Notre Dame can do the rest of the season to at least show that not only can they finish strong, but the strength can be determined, can be turned into positivity moving forward into what will be a very important offseason for Marcus Freeman after his second season going into his third. So, Brian, disappointing season. We all agree there's still growth that can happen. There's still hopefully some foundational positives that can come for the rest of the season. But Notre Dame is in a very interesting interesting spot right now where I feel like, and I know you agree, you need to evaluate everything right now as this team and really start to understand what the main issues are. And we're going to talk mostly about offense today because that's really where most of the issues are as of today. And we need to understand foundationally where this team is moving. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you look at this team, Ryan, and, and offense is obviously the, the biggest issue. However, th- there's there's bigger picture issues as well that I think are affecting the offense more than the defense. And my fear, and we'll get into specifics with the defense, my fear is that if those foundational issues don't get addressed, the defense is going to be the one struggling through it next year when they lose all the veterans, or at least most of the veterans. We don't know if Riley Mills and Howard Cross are going to come back. We don't know if Jordan Patello is going to come back. We know that we don't know if Nana is going to come back. We know Javante Jean-Baptiste can't come back. We we know, yep. I mean, the odds of Cam Hart coming back are slim. We Thomas don't know Harper's about the, yeah. right. We don't know about the three linebackers. DJ Brown's gone. So if, if those issues you know, you, you always have to wonder, were those issues masked on defense this year by the experience? You know, that that's why I say is like there needs to be foundational issues that are discussed first for Notre Dame to, to find out wh- why are certain things happening, right? Why does this team have that random, who the heck is this moment? Like, that's not the team that I saw. Why, why is this team looking like that? And everybody does that to a degree, right? Like, nobody is just... Every week, you know, if Ohio right. State would have played against Rutgers like they played against Notre Dame, they'd have won that game mm-hmm. a lot more convincingly. Right. Right. Everybody does that. But for Notre Dame, it's just such this incredible highs and lows that you have to ask yourself, is there something bigger afoot that just hasn't hasn't made its way to the defense yet? And it reminds me a lot, Ryan, of 2015. I remember watching that season, Ryan, and thinking, man, this team is so talented. And you just never felt like that team got the most out of their ability. There'd be moments here, moments there, but you could just see there were some foundational issues that, you know, when you don't have Will Fuller and Jalen Smith and Kavari Russell and a lot of these guys that, you know, Sheldon Day and a lot of these guys that that could mask those issues. Yep. You know your your team game, and you lost Ronnie Stanley. I mean, you, your your team your team came out that next year. No Nick Martin, right? No Steve Elmer, and it was a completely different team as far as a result standpoint. But a big part of that was because, and I talked about this the whole off season. There are foundational issues that the talent masked last year, yeah. and I feel like that is something we have to consider for Notre Dame this year. And it was especially true on offense because they didn't have the same experience or talent due to partly due to injuries. I mean, we haven't seen Jaden Thomas most of the year. We haven't seen Deion Colsey most of the year. Yeah. With all the issues that Notre Dame's having a receiver, you don't think we'd have seen a little bit more of Deion Colsey at some point in time with all those injuries were happening, you know? And I I feel like Deion would have been a guy that would have just kind of like, you know, you know what it reminded me of not not much more talented than this player, but you remember a couple years ago when Andrew Gustafa came in at guard and you were just kind of like, yeah, he just kind of righted the ship, right? Like he kind of stabilized everything. And Deion is obviously a much more talented version of that. But I think like if you had Deion, I feel like he would have just injected into your wide receiver core and you would have been like, yeah, you're just better because Dion's there, right? Like it would have stabilized things a little bit. So I, I agree. He was a he was a player that not many people talked about when he went out with his knee injury, but that was actually a huge loss, I think, for this Notre yeah. Dame offense. He could have given you some stability as a veteran. I think he could have. And partly because Chancey Stuckey wasn't using him even before the injury, but that's a different conversation for a later part of the show. So when you look at it, Ryan, 
you have to ask yourself, Marcus Freeman has to ask himself, are, are there some foundational things that I thought were going to be where this team is? Did, did I give too much leeway to my captains? Did I give too much leeway to my assistants? Did I not give enough leeway to my, I mean, that you know, sure. it, it, it could be, did I micromanage too much? Did I not micromanage enough? Those are all things that Marcus Freeman has to look in the mirror and say, you know, look, something, something happened this year. And this yeah. team did not play to its potential. And it's not even about the record. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I could have seen a scenario in which Notre Dame still lost three games and you came out of this saying, like, you know what? Like, that's a bummer and I'm disappointed. But this team showed a lot of potential and promise. We didn't see that, right? That That's my concern. It's not so much about the record. It's 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 how you got here. It's not so much the the excuses that we've seen. Well, you know, if, if we don't, if we don't have this play here and that play there, I'm going to have an article coming out tonight or tomorrow, depending on how long I can stay conscious, that I'm going to talk about, you know, for all the issues with the, the offense, the first thing that they got to fix is the ability to finish. If this yeah. offense simply could finish off drives, they're at worse, at worse, nine and one right now, at worse. I mean, yeah. think about it. They've had, you think about the Ohio State game. Two times you turn it over on downs in the fourth quarter, or, or excuse me, on fourth down in Ohio State territory. You yeah. know, not being able to get the ball at the end and go do something with it. You think of the Louisville game. You know, it's tied seven seven. Your defense gives you the ball deep in Louisville territory, and you can't get anything but a field goal out of it. Right? You think of the yeah. the penalties. You just couldn't finish off drives, and all of a sudden, eventually Louisville pulls away. If you finish early against Duke, that's never a competitive. And this is the thing that frustrates me is because we can look at the numbers and the score and they needed a late score to get to 21, but it's like, that's what frustrates me because that should have been 21, nothing at halftime, but they couldn't finish. I feel, I feel like the Duke game is one that people misremember a little bit and they just throw in the, in the bucket of the offense was putrid all game where I'm just like, no, the offense was pretty good in the first half. They just didn't finish off drive. You had to settle for field goals. And it was just, it was just one of those situations where you didn't, you didn't put your foot on their throat, right? Like you didn't put the nail in the coffin early in that football game. I mean, Notre Dame could have easily been down. I mean, they could have easily been up like 24 to whatever at halftime against Duke. And then Duke would struggle to obviously even get to that close to that margin, right? Because, I mean, they only scored, what, 14 points in that football game. So, yeah, Notre Dame had a chance to really just put a stranglehold in the game at Duke. You let them stay around at halftime. And then they took momentum, obviously, from the third into the fourth quarter. And then you had the rally late, right? So there's still been some good mixed in with the perceived bad, but it's just, it's just been maddeningly inconsistent, is the biggest thing, right? Especially offense. It's like, how do you go from with uh, Clemson too, Ryan? I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Please. Oh, no, no, no. I I was just going to say it's just like, it's just, it's just insane to think how from one week to the next, we could feel so optimistic. And then the next week, it's down in the dumps and in the dumpster. And right. there's no in-between ground with this program. That's how I feel like right now. Right. I, I talked about this a few weeks ago. We had, we had a great conversation about this, about stabilizing that floor, right? Like, your best is up here, but your bad is way down here. It's like, no, there needs to be a middle ground. Mm-hmm. The best programs stabilize that floor. They bring it up, and then they still have the ceiling to work with, right? And I, I just feel like this team has not stabilized that floor. It's either pretty dang good. Or it's well below average. Like there's just mm-hmm. no middle ground for this team right now, which is very frustrating. It is. They either look like you. I think you nailed it, Ryan. I think that is it just just in general with the team as a whole. Even though the defense at times would play well, there were times they didn't play with the same kind of fire that they did in other games. You know, like the Ohio State game. That's a lot of fire, man. Right? You, yeah. you come out yeah, against right. USC, man. They were flying all over the field. And then you look at the Clemson game, and they didn't play bad against Clemson, but you're just like, how are they not up for this game right now? Like, like that, like they were before. This is still Clemson. Yeah. And when you're the head football coach, you got to be able to look in the mirror, as every coach has done at some point in time in his career. Kirby Smart had to do that in what year four when they lost yep. at home to four and eight South Carolina and they couldn't score points. He had to look in the mirror and say, Okay, we are really good on defense. And we don't turn the ball over much at all, but we can't win. We're scoring 30.8 points per game. Oh, yeah, they went they went 12 and 2. But Kirby's like, I, I don't care about 12 and 2. 12 and 2 is not our goal. Our goal is a national championship. So going 12 and 2, where we lose at home to South Carolina, get a little lucky against Notre Dame, you know, barely beat Auburn, barely beat Texas AM, and then get smacked by LSU. 
his thing is 12 and two. I don't care about like, that's not the standard that I'm trying to implement. I didn't come here. I didn't leave Bama to come here and be almost a champion. I came here to be a champion. And what did he do? He went out and got Todd Munkin, who had a completely different thought process on offense than what he had had in the, in the past. Now they were still a team that liked to run the football and all that kind of stuff that didn't change. But as far as understanding that you've got to be, you've got to be a really dynamic offense. They came out the next year, made, made a, a slight jump, you know, against an all SEC schedule and ended the season with a, you know, with the, a win over a really good Cincinnati team in a bowl game. And then the next year they came yeah. out, kicked the doors down a little bit. And then of course the last two years, they've been a 40, a four, basically a 40 plus point per game team. So, I mean, everybody does it at some point in time. I mean, Nick Saban did it yeah. after multiple championships, right? After, mm-hmm. you know, 13 and 14, <clears throat> when they weren't winning, Saban went out and said, we got to make some changes. And they made those changes. Yep, they sure did. I, I think that that's because you need to have that growth mindset as a leader of a program, especially. I mean, we're talking about Marcus Freeman, who I've been honest about it. And I know you've been honest about it. I still have high expectations for Marcus Freeman. I still think that Marcus Freeman can do a lot of great things at Notre Dame. I just, I think though that this is a moment, this is a season, this is a stretch of games now where it should be apparent to coach Freeman. If he is that guy that actions do need to happen now, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. some things that need to change. You cannot be complacent and just say, cause some, some people are like this, right? Some coaches are just like, Nope, we're just going to keep working the process. It'll change eventually. With the the results will change as we continue the process. And sometimes there's merit to it. Sometimes, but with Coach Freeman and this program right now, I would argue that there are several things, mostly on offense, but just structurally, that are in a you're in a situation here where if you don't change, you don't adapt, you don't evolve, there's going you're going to put a ceiling on this program. You're going to put a ceiling on it. The best coaches adapt. The best coaches evolve. You mentioned Kirby Smart. We talked about Nick Saban yesterday as far as like Nick Saban's adapted several times in his career as an offensive coach, especially. Including right now. Yes. Right. So I I really think that there's some coaches that just get stuck in their way and they just have convinced themselves that this is the process and that process will get there eventually. It's going to get there. And there's other coaches that say, hey, we need to change some things. And it could be structurally a lot of different things. I'm not saying yeah. offensive play calling right now. I'm saying, why are you not getting up for away games this right. year? Why? What's the issue there? Right. Strength and conditioning we talked about yesterday with the inconsistency there. What do you do this offseason to, to finish that out? What is your What is your philosophy overall about playing offense, playing defense, right. moving forward? Because the reason that those philosophies mean so much Right. It's because we know that coaching turnover happens. Like we're, I mean, Brian, we've talked about it, right? Th- there's a chance that maybe Al Golden's gone after this year because he's done such a dang good job. It's like, is your philosophy intact? And I think it will be with Marcus Freeman as the head coach, but is your philosophy intact that you can just bring in another great defense coordinator and it just becomes a seamless transition right. because that's, that's what the great coaches have created that because you know, right. if you are the head coach of a great program that has a great philosophy and you're in a great stretch, that when you lose coaches, you're going to for one, and for two, it needs to be seamless because the because the foundation has been built on your program, and I think there's some foundational things that Notre Dame needs to figure out this offseason right now. Need to. And it, it's easy, Ryan, to to say, fire this guy, fire that guy, change your offensive scheme, and and those things may be true. They may be needed at some point in time. Every, every coach has had to fire somebody before. Urban Myers, I mean, had to fire somebody. I, I still remember what they went 24 and two his first two years. And he, he basically de facto fired Everett Withers. You know, he, uh, he left for the head coaching job at James Madison back when James Madison was an FCS school. You don't leave the D coordinator job at Ohio state to go be the head coach at an FCS school. I don't care how good that FCS school is because you have a job still. Right. I mean, we have seen him do that. We saw Ohio State go to the college football playoff in 2016, get smacked by Clemson. He could have said, hey, look, you know, we'll, we'll be better next year. We've got some talent coming in, blah, blah, blah. No, he didn't. He said, we got to make a change offensively. And he did. Ryan Day has even done that. For all my criticism of Ryan Day as a head football coach, he he looked at this and said, we have to be able to make stops. We, we have, yeah. you know, we have to be able to go out and, 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 and turn this elite five-star talent that we're accruing on defense and it's got to turn into something 
And, and Ohio, Ohio State's State a great is, example. They're a great yeah. example because they are winning games this year in completely different fashion than what we're typically yeah. used to seeing. And they're getting Ohio banged State for win. it. Right. Yep. They're getting banged for it by the media and, and, and other and Ohio State fans. But you know what? They're still winning games. And, um, you know, we'll find out if, it, if it's good enough to kind of win it all. We'll, we'll see. Right. But every coach has to go through this. Every coach has to make changes. Um, sometimes they're the one that needs to change. And and you can't be you can't be arrogant to the point of of unwilling to look in the mirror and say this is on me. And that was always Brian Kelly's biggest mistake. After sure. 2015, Brian Kelly was absolutely unwilling to look in the mirror and say this Van Gorder thing. It just was wrong. It was a mistake. You know, he he was just not around enough to know that Phil Longo was, or excuse me, Paul Longo was having the issues that he was having with the strength program. I knew about yeah. stuff that Brian Kelly didn't know about, which is just kind of disgusting and what did brian kelly say hey we just gotta play coach a little better and play a little harder uh you know because we were we were this many plays away from being undefeated which we can talk about this year and sure. and, and the article that i'm going to write is going to talk about the need to finish and it's going to sound like a lot of spin of if they'd have done this this team is really good but it's really not spin because mm -hmm. clearly there's a flaw there that's keeping you from finishing that you need to figure out an address and it goes deeper than just play calling is play calling part of it. Yes. Right. But my whole thing, the reason I keep pushing back on the play calling thing is because that is a byproduct of other things. And I have always held that view. This has nothing to do with Jared Parker, Tommy Reese or Al Golden or anybody. I don't know that I would say that Al Golden has done anything differently this year to show, wow, what a, what a ingenious play caller he is compared to last year. If anything, right. he scaled back a little bit. But it's yeah. more about I need to let my kid, you know, so there was a bit of a philosophical change there. He didn't change the philosophy or the structure of what he believes in defensively, but right. he went about the way that they prepare differently. And the result and has been a much better football team, a much better defensive yes. football team. Yep. And and so those are the things that you look at and, and, and say, look, it's easy for us to take the lazy. It's play calling. And again, we're not defending the play calling that 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 will get addressed in the offseason. But the reality is, Ryan, there are foundational issues that go way beyond. If you go fire Jared Parker tomorrow and there's already like reports out that I'm told are absolutely false about him getting fired and all this other kind of stuff and, you know, whatever the case may be. And like that's not that doesn't that doesn't do anything. It doesn't fix right. anything. That just makes him the scapegoat because yep. there are much bigger issues here than than Jared Parker's game planning or play calling. You know, right. and and so th those things have to get fixed first. Then you decide is Jared Parker the guy or not. And he and he, Coach Freeman may decide that he isn't. That's not my decision. That's Coach Freeman's. But if yep. he doesn't, if he just makes a change, like and just promotes Gino Gadouli to OC next year, or or goes out and hires somebody else that he know he's known that he worked with somewhere else that is going to run a similar approach than what they've had, then guess what? Nothing's going to change. Because nothing really changed from last year to this year from a result standpoint. And there's people at Notre Dame fans that believe this team is worse than they were last year offensively. They're not. There's literally zero metric other than what third down offense that makes us think that this team is worse than they were last year. But mm -hmm. the perception is different because this year you had Sam Hartman. You had, you know, yeah. there were things you thought you'd have that would make it better. And the point being, this is this goes much deeper than a Jared Parker, Joe Rudolph, Chancey Stuckey problem. Now, Agreed. could they be could they be parts of the issue? Sure, I, I I'm not there every day, but I'm just well, telling you when I watch this team play and I see this just up and down. When I see Jared Parker take show, throwing bombs against USC and Pitt and Central Michigan and NC State, and then I see them just being super super conservative against Ohio State and, and Duke and Louisville and not Louisville as much, but uh, Clemson. You got to say to yourself what is going on here, right? Like what, what is in the mindset that makes you go into games like this and say, we, you know, we're afraid to let her rip. Right. And those things have to be addressed before you look at who you're going to get in the portal, what coaching changes you're going to make, what players you're going to bench, whatever the case may be. If those things don't get fixed and all you're doing is putting Steve Angeli into the game and having him have to carry the team with the same problems that Sam Hartman had to deal with. And I just don't think that right. fixes anything. And that, you know, that, yeah. that, that, and that's, that's all phases, Ryan. I mean, all phases played a role in Notre Dame losing to Clemson. Offense Absolutely. and special teams played an even bigger role, but defense had their moments as well. Same against Louisville, same against Duke, same against Ohio State. And mm -hmm. so as a team, Marcus Freeman has to look in the mirror and say, okay, what went wrong? And this is okay. This doesn't mean like, oh my gosh, I, 
I'm a terrible person and, you know, I'm a sucky coach and I'm in over my head and all this other nonsense that we hear about things. It's, it's like, look, I thought this was going to work. This was part of the evolution process of a young coach. It didn't work. Yeah. How do I got to fix it and then fix it. And then the yeah. other stuff will come and that's going to be the yeah. big key. And that's, that's true in every phase of the game for yeah. Notre Dame, every aspect of the program. Well, and I, I know we're going to get into offensively what we want to see as far as down the stretch here, some adjustments that need to be made, some things that we are just very hopeful for seeing that I think would I think would show that there is growth that can happen. At least there's a I think the biggest thing that I want to see out of this bye week going down the stretch here is I think that there's a realization that needs to happen with this coaching staff, with Coach Freeman and the rest of like, hey something's broken right now. Something's not working. We need to fix it. Right. And I just need to see versus some things that I think are going to showcase that like, that is something that they are aware of. That is something that they need to get done. They're, they're, they are aware of the issues at hand because some people are blind to the issues. Right. But then other great coaches, as we've talked about, they see it and they understand it. And there's things that need to be implemented to help change it and get it back on course. So yeah, we want to start out with Everything's on the table right now, co- folks, as far as evaluating. That's from players, coaches, offensive, defensive philosophies, the everyday, just how you utilize things, right? Whether it's the strength staff, whether it's the travel plans, whether it's the preparation for games, everything needs to be on the table when you're seven and three and you did not meet your expectations and you're not where you need to be. It all needs to be evaluated. So that was kind of our bigger conversation. Evaluation needs to happen. Brian, but we're going to talk mostly here about the offensive side of football. We'll talk about defense later in the week, guys, because like there are things that need to be fixed also on the defensive sure. side of the football. We're just not going to skate over this. Like you talk about the rush defense, especially is something yesterday where mm-hmm. it needs and to third, get better. Third down, yeah. Yeah. But offensively is where the most warts on this football team exist. It's where we have the most question marks moving forward. So there's several things we want to hit on here. First thing, Brian, that we wanted to talk a little bit about is can they change, right? Can you adjust? What is your, 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 can you change your mindset to how offensively you are structuring things from a philosophical approach? And there's a lot of things that kind of are interwoven here, but I think this comes back to our initial conversation of coaching staff, offensive coaching staff now talking directly, they need to be able to evaluate and be like, Hey, this isn't working. And when you know something's working, can you now change your mindset? Can you reevaluate yourself and change what is not working and make it into something that is functionally possible for your offensive team? So right now, can they adjust down the stretch? These last two regular season games into the bowl game, can this offensive coaching staff adjust and figure out what what they want to be? And it's not. It's not even about play calling for me, Ryan. It, it's not. It's about a mindset. I don't. I, I mean, in part of part of my thing, Ryan, is is it's. It, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, and you know where I'm going with this one. But like, I mean, they could play could call aggressive plays these next two games, and my response is going to be so. You did that against Central Michigan. You did that against Tennessee State. You did that against right. Pitt. You did that against USC. Like, I don't care. These are bad football teams. It's, it's if, if they come out just throwing bombs against Wake Forest, that didn't tell me anything, right? Because we've seen that. That did Stanford. not tell me anything. Yeah. Yep. Stanford yep. is what is the worst defense they're going to play all year. And, and I would even argue you could make a case they're worse than Tennessee State defensively. Because if you look at Tennessee State's defense this year, they've been really salty at the FCS level. They've, they're they, 6 they, and three they, this year. They've shown a lot of improvements based upon 2022 to 2023. And most of it, yeah. to your point, Terrell Allen has been a dude for them this year. I think he leads the FCS in sacks. He's like 14 and a half sacks this year. Which we is talked wild, about so. him coming into the season, yeah. Ryan, how good of a player he was. And their secondaries, we said at the time, has better talent at corner than uh, some teams that they're going to face. And Stanford would yeah. be one of them, in my opinion. Right. And so it, it, that doesn't really impact me. If the if the offense comes out the next two games and they score 40-plus points a game, I, I, okay, I don't care. They've already done that how many times? Six times this year, right? Six out of their 10 games, they've scored at least 42 points, 41 points, I should say, right? You had the first four games of the year. You had USC, you had and you had Pitt last week, right? They could set an all-time school scoring record with what they do in the next couple games. And and that's not really, I mean, that's good. And I think what that should get us to do is to say, Hey guys and gals, this offense isn't as bad 
as we think it is. Like that's that's the thing we have to understand is this offense has done some really good things this year. They've had a few bad games. And and I would not put Ohio State in there. Ohio State, I'd say they had five bad plays. They moved the ball up and down the field on Ohio State. They still have the best yards per play average against Ohio State. And it wasn't until Rutgers got outgained about like 10 that they had somebody had more yards. And that's not something to brag about because you still lost and that's all that matters. But the point is, you know, that, that wasn't a bad performance. You had to finish. And and Louisville was a bad performance. Duke was a bad performance. The second half was a bad performance. Yep. You know, Duke, uh, uh, Clemson was a bad performance from the offense. So I don't care that you go out and beat up a bad team. I've been doing that all year. It's more to me, Ryan, about how they go about their business. You know, I watched this team on offense, and, and and I had somebody reach out to me the other day, and they're like, man, there's just like no leadership on this offense. And the point he was making was, and you and I talked about this. You mentioned this the other day. There's no Kyron Williams. I mean, Aldrich estimates a phenomenal running back, but yeah. he doesn't have that same get in your face and 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 you know kind of thing that that, that Kyron yeah. Williams had or that Quentin Nelson had. And and Joe Walt's not that way. And none of the I, none of the your tight ends or receivers that way. Sam Hartman's not that way. The holiday season is upon us, which makes my schedule a lot busier. And I know it does yours too. And that can make it a lot harder to make healthy meals at home. And that's why Angela and I are happy we found Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Factor can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. I'll be honest, we were skeptical when we first tried Factor, but it took one meal each and we were sold. Once I got done looking through all their different options, we decided to jump on board because there are so many tasty options. We use Factor for dinners, but they also have great options for breakfast and lunch, and their Gourmet Plus options are outstanding. That's why I'm excited to have Factor partnering with Irish Breakdown. So head to factormeals.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's code irish50 at factormeals.com forward slash irish to get 50% off your purchase today. I would say the biggest difference between Audric and a couple of those great leaders that we've seen, Brian, is Audric estimates the type that he he really like positivity really yeah. amplifies with him, right? right? Like when he's and doing really me. well and you see it right. and watch me and yeah. you're gonna get some energy off of that. Yeah. What makes a great leader though, the Kyron Williams of the world, the Quentin Nelsons, is when stuff isn't going well and you have to get in someone's face and be like, dude, like, let's go, man. Like, this is not acceptable here, right? This is not the standard. That was my favorite thing about Kyron is that no matter if Kyron was doing really well or Kyron wasn't doing really well or the offensive line was playing well or the offensive line wasn't playing well or the team was winning or the team was losing, Kyron always brought that energy every right. single game, right. every single day, even when he wasn't playing in the bowl game. Even when he's just a spectator on the sideline last year, he's still out there, man. And you feel it. It radiates. I, I, right. You need those types of guys. And offensively, I, I don't know who that guy that, is when that, adversity that's hits. That's right there, don't Ryan. Know. You nailed it. There's yeah. nothing wrong with Audric Estime being that kind of guy that he is. There's nothing wrong with Joe Walt being a lead-by-example guy. Nope. But every defense needs that guy, get-in-your-face guy. And, and, I mean, I think J.D. Bertrand is that way to a degree on defense, but not the same way – you know, that, that maybe some other captains have been in the past, right? Maybe not the same way, not the same way Manti was in 2012. And I'm not talking about like, he's not as good as Manti. I'm talking about just the, you know, I mean, Manti was just kind of like a, when he talked, you shut up and listen, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 JD is a little bit more studious, right? With how he goes about it, you know? And they just, I, I, I wonder about that. And you, and you say like, are they, are you, as a head coach, you got to look at that and say, what can we do to kind of bring out some of this, you know, PNV. And, and I think part of it, Ryan, when I look at the offense is a lot of the guys that have that mentality are the young guys. Yep. I mean, and, and, and you're just not going to get a Jeremiah love, a Jaden Greathouse, a Rico Flores, a, you know, guys like that to kind of come out and be that guy's freshman, nor should they, you know? And, and so you've got to figure out, okay, what can we do these last few weeks to where we've got to be that. And that's, that's where coaching has to come in. We've got to be that. And you can be it in a, I'm just going to rip your butts the next two weeks, or you can be that in a, hey, guys, we're going to challenge each other kind of way, right? right. And so here's yeah. how we're going to challenge each other. And, and we'll, 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 you know, we'll, we'll talk about some of those things, Ryan. But when you look at the offense, it, first thing is, is a mindset change, right? It's not, we need to call more for plays on first down. 
that's true. But if you start calling more plays on first down, but your mindset doesn't change, ultimately it won't matter. You know, I mean, if, if you don't, if you don't have a, if you have a better third down plan, it'll, it'll make a difference a little bit in these next couple games, but it's not going to have a big picture impact because you haven't changed your mindset. You haven't changed your attitude. You haven't changed your, who are we going to be? Who do we want to be? And, and that's kind of Ryan where, where what I'm going to learn about this offense is I expect them to make some schematic changes these next two games. And that's all fine and dandy. I would ask, why did it take 10 games to figure that out? That's a different conversation for a different day. But sure. the biggest thing for me is I better see this group come out with a little PNV on, on Saturday gets Wake, next Saturday gets Wake Forest. If I don't see that, then I don't care how many points they score. I, I don't care what their third down deal is. They're still going to struggle on the road next year against Texas A&M. They're still going to struggle right. when they get into the postseason and have to play in Ohio State next year if they're, you know, God, God willing, they're able to make the college football playoff, right? Those things are, right. you know, the talent might mask some of that stuff, mm-hmm. but it's still going to get exposed in the biggest moments. Well, and, and I think that that all that all goes into the motivation factor of this coaching staff, right? Can you? And again, we're we're talking about the offense, especially here, guys. Like this is the offensive section. We'll talk about defense later in the week, more than likely. But Brian, like I, I think that that's look. If you don't have those guys on the offensive side of the football right now, that are those fiery competitors. Whether it's the not competitors, that's the word worst word. That's a bad word. That's a bad word choice. If you don't have those guys that are those high-level leaders on your team that can really motivate through the negativity and through the downtrots of what a season can bring, then who do you need to be those guys for you? It's the coaches, right? Why do they get paid so much money? And to have so much of the, the, the leadership role on their plate, they need to be able to motivate the players underneath of that. And let's be honest with ourselves right now, with what we saw against Clemson and what we've seen offensively stagnated through the second half of this year so far, is a lot of guys can check out. You can check out and offensively, compared to defensively, much younger group right now. Outside of Sam Hartman, you're dealing with a lot of freshmen playing at wide receiver. You're dealing with first-year starters inside a guard. You're dealing with a very young tight end room now that Mitchell Evans is hurt now, you know, sophomores and freshmen. And you're, you're dealing with that situation where, as a offensive coaching staff, you need to be able to motivate these kids down the right. stretch because – you can lose them, man. You can lose them. Right. You really can, especially a younger group that you have offensively outside of the quarterback position right now. So you need to be able to grab those <laughs> grab those reins, right, and really get this team excited. I mean, that's the thing that I want to see is, yes, I want to see them to your point of, let's get, I want to see energy out of this group. I want to see them come out and pissed off, be ready to go against Wake Forest. But also, when stuff's going well, though, I also want to see energy out of them as far as right. I want to I want to see happiness. I want to see excitement. I want to see joy out of playing this great game. Like we always lose sight of the fact and not us specifically, but just like as a collective of this is a kid's game that we love dearly. And these kids have been playing it since they were little, super little. I mean, I started playing football when I was like nine years old, right? Like I love this game. Love it. Love every ounce of it. And I know a lot of kids, the Notre Dame's team love it as well. And right now, that energy is being lost, and I think that love is being compromised from an outside perspective here. I think it's right. being compromised. I want to see Jeremiah Love, Audric Estime, uh, Jaden Greathouse, Jaden Thomas, if he's able to play down the stretch. Who knows? The, the younger wide receivers, Rico Flores, Eli Raridan, some of the young offensive line or first inexperienced offensive linemen, I should say. I want to see that excitement and the vigor to play the game of football down the stretch. You need to be able to motivate this team, get the best out of them, but also get them excited to be a part of this unit, man, to be a part of this great university. I need to see that energy that has been lost. I need to see it down the stretch. Here's my here's my biggest issue, Ryan. We could sit here and talk all day about run game design, and I've had issues with that. Pass game design, and I've had issues with that. You know How they use their personnel, and I've had issues with that. How, how often they throw on first down or the lack of throwing on first down and, and, and all that, 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 that's fine. You're always going to have those issues. But the issue that I've had is I'm kind of sick and tired of saying this team played no with no urgency on offense. I'm sick of saying that. And it's not just the receivers. It's the offensive line. It's the quarterback. It's the tight ends at times. Holden Stace is a heck of a talent. But in the two games he's had to step in for – 
Mitchell Evans, he's pretty much disappeared. You know, like what's the reason for that? And and that's kind of my biggest issue. And when Audric is doing what Audric is doing on on early against Clemson, did you see anybody else getting fired up because of how well he was playing? I didn't. I didn't see anybody say, man, Audric is balling. Let's keep this thing going. I'd watch him make off a big run, and then the next play, your your center or your guard get driven into the backfield three yards. Right. Your receivers don't come off the line with any urgency. And 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 your quarterback doesn't play with any kind of urgency. Th- those are all mindset things that that the play calling can can be fixed and they'll smash these next two teams, probably win a bowl game. It doesn't yeah. change anything. It just masks the problem. Right? Like, you know, and again, that that's been true at times on defense this year too, Ryan. I think they've just been able to mask it because of how experienced they are. Yeah. That, that's that's what I think. And, you know, I, but offensively, that 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 to me is I don't care. They could score 50 points in the next two games and score, play LSU in a bowl game and score 48 and win, and it won't matter to me if it's just about, well, we changed some plays, we were more aggressive, and Sam finished off on a high note. What won't matter at all to me if we're still seeing a team play with no fire, no urgency, no tempo, and we don't see any competition over these next three weeks. And I think that's something that you're you're not you and I are craving for, Ryan, is yeah. You know, you are playing two teams you're supposed to beat. Let's get Billy yeah. Shrouth out there at guard, see what he can do. Because right now your guards are not playing well. You know, let's 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 get let's get some of these receivers and say, look, Sam, we've got to get number 19 the football, man. We gotta figure it out. We gotta get number five the football, man. We gotta figure it out, right? Like we've got Because if 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 Jaden Greathouse gets involved in this offense, just cycling in on 19 for a second there, he is one of those guys that can bring some right. juice of yes. excitement yes. to the table. I mean, yes. he brings but it's that. hard to he do that bring- when you're a freshman who hasn't caught a ball in five games. You know, I mean, it's like, hey, guys, we got to get going. It's like, shut up, man. When was the last time you haven't caught a ball since September? You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, that that's what I would say if I was a if I was an older guy that had a uh, an incorrect attitude. You know, that's what I'd say right. to him. I wouldn't like it. You know, and and um, you know, first three games of the year, that kid caught eight passes for over 100 yards, three touchdowns, and since then, in a total of six games played, and he missed a game. In six games played, that kid has four catches for 53 yards. In six games, six games played, seven total for the team. That that's Crazy. a coaching problem. Every bit as much as it's a player problem. You know, like number five, you got to get him the football. I don't care about what he dropped four weeks ago. See what he's got. And if he doesn't, and here's the thing. And here's why I say that, Ryan. If 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 they force the ball to Tobias like they should have back in September, and he doesn't step up, then you know he's not right. that guy, right? Yeah. This this is this is the reason that you need to force the issue with a guy like him. And it, same with Holden Stace. You know, we need we yeah. need to push this kid. You know, same with J- Jaden Greathouse. We we got to say, hey, Jaden, man, we need you. I know that you're a freshman and all this, and you're dealing the hamstring, but man, I need you to go out and ball. And right. and if Tobias doesn't step up and he doesn't make catches and he doesn't give effort, which people constantly you know say about him, which kind of blows my mind. I feel like if you're actually at a game outside of the Duke game, he definitely didn't play hard against Duke. He's played really well, Ryan. You watch the all twenty-two, how often he's getting open in the last three, four games. You know, mm-hmm. but he he's got to get the ball. And then if you throw it to him and you're Sam Hartman, he doesn't catch it, then tell the coach, get him out. I can't trust that guy. And I'm and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But you'll know, you'll know he he's not it, well, and yeah. and and you say okay, well let's figure out who that guy's going to be. Let's get Jaden Greenhouse over there. You know, let's what's our plan going to be for for Cam Williams or Micah Gilbert or Logan Saldate to get those guys going. You know, and and, and then you know, and I want to see that. I want to see if Billy Shrouth is that guy or not. I don't want to have to wait till Texas A and M, and then it's well we can't because here's what I'm sick of. Well, we can't really start him now. We have to go with Billy and Rocco now. Because right. you know they're experienced, and he just didn't play, and and sure. and that's that's the you know that's the stuff I'm tired of. It's like, well, he's been in the system longer. I don't care about that. I'm trying to win championship. Yeah, right. I don't care about about dues. You know who certain guys are, so let's see what those other kids have. And then here's the thing too, Ryan, is if they don't have it, like right now, my whole stance is I do not want to see Notre Dame go in the portal at wide receiver. Do not. But here's the deal: if you push these kids the next couple weeks. And you challenge them, and they step up, and they don't answer the bell. Now you know, and now your you your stance on the portal may change. I'm challenging sure. Steve Angeli and, and Kenny Minchie. Maybe it's not on game day at first, 
But how you go about the, your business this next three weeks and, and into bowl prep is going to tell me a lot about who you are. And right now I'm saying go to the portal, but I mean, I'm just kind of going for depth and maybe a guy that can challenge, but I'm, I'm more concerned about building up the younger players. But if they don't answer the bell these next, this next month, then now, now my strategy has got to change. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the thing, Ryan is like, if I'm say, Hey, Jeremiah, this, we're going to get you going. And he goes right. out there and drops three passes and runs a bunch of wrong routes. And you know, like he's not ready yet. Right. He's not ready yet. Same with Jadarian. I mean, Jadarian, whether it's him, He's not ready yet. You know, try to do something with Cooper Flanagan. See what he can do. Well, he didn't step up. He dropped a couple balls. He's not ready. Or he may step up and be like, this guy's a dude. We just needed to give him the rock. You know, I think yeah. of, like I said, uh, you know, Chris Olave from, what was it, 20, was it 2019, 2018, something like that. And Chris Olave caught like two, four, two to three passes or something like that his freshman year. Didn't hardly play yeah. at all and then goes out and just. Probably 2018, you know, probably 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just goes out and. And actually, I'm going to pull it up right now. D- catches four balls for 60 yards and then um, five balls for 70 yards going into the big game against Michigan. And then yeah. he comes out against Michigan, catches two balls for 48 yards, both go for touchdowns and a win, gets into the Big Ten title game, catches five balls for 79 yards and a touchdown You know, against a, what was a pretty good Northwestern secondary. It wasn't as good as the 2020 secondary, but it was still pretty good. And and so you're like, hey, we this kid finally got a shot. We threw him the ball, and he stepped up and made plays. He's got a little something to him, or he yeah. doesn't. And then you know, and and that's the whole whole thing is challenge these kids. And here's the other thing too: it's not just about them stepping up. What I want to see how Rocco Spindler and Pat Coogan react to maybe losing a little bit of playing time. How do they respond to it? Do they step right. up and 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 handle it the right way? You know, does does do some of the the older receivers kind of step up? Do do they not? Do, do you know if if Cooper goes out there or Eli Raritan goes out there and balls out? How does Holden respond to that? Does he bounce back and say, "Okay, I, I better step up and do this"? So it, learning about your football team, Ryan, and that's part of the evaluation process that has to happen, and it can't it can't do that with the status quo. And that's my biggest fear is that we're going to see the status quo these next two games, and it's going to be the same guys doing the same stuff, and they're just going to execute a little bit better against two bad football teams. Although Wake has a, a, a salty, a little bit of salty defense this year. They've seen players. Justine yeah. Davis at defensive right. end. They got uh, Kalen Carson at corner. They got Mustafa at safety. So yeah, they got some NFL kids on the defense. They do. All right. But they're, a, they're not a very good football team. Uh, no. You know, so, so because they're scoring 22 points a game, I, they remind me a lot of Pitt, honestly, as far as like, you know, salty defense, not super, super talented, but they got some kids. And then Notre Dame went out and was aggressive against Pitt and lit him up, right? Like, yeah. that's what should happen. Same thing in Stanford. But if it's just the same guys and the same stuff over and over again, it's like, what did we really – so so what's the – where's the accountability? You can just keep going out there and doing this week after week against teams with a pulse, but we're going to keep throwing you out there against teams that suck and praise you because how good you looked in the moments that don't matter. Because you're defined right. at Notre Dame by how you do in the big moments, right? Like – Brady Quinn will always be remembered at Notre Dame, not just because of the numbers, but because of his big moments, you know, uh, against USC leading them down on that last drive. You know, they ended up not winning the game, but we'll always remember the plays Brady made down the stretch. We'll always remember, you know, Brady going out there against Penn State and ripping them up. We'll always remember the fourth quarter against U- UCLA where Brady made those money game-winning plays. You know, and, and you, you've got winners. Who, who are those guys going to be? Most of all yeah. seemed to be always at his best when it was a big moment. Jeff Samarja seemed to always be at his best in the big moments. I didn't care about, you know, the numbers are fine, but who were you in the biggest moments? And right now, yeah. the Notre Dame offense is a team that when they play in the biggest games, I mean, with all due respect, Ryan, they shrink. They shrink in the moment. And there's no other – and it's not just the players. It starts at the top. And that's where the play calling becomes an issue because the play calling is symbolic – of the mentality going in where I don't have faith in us. So we're going to just, you know, ground and pound and limit possessions and hope that, you know, we don't, our defense doesn't give up any points. You, when, when you coach scared, your kids are going to play scared. And maybe they're coaching scared because the kids play scared. I, I don't know what it is, but that's an issue, Ryan. And, yep. and, and those are the things I need to see. Forget all the play calling stuff and all that. It, it, it's more about 
that mindset. And that's the thing. And, and that's where I want to see competition. And I know, I know for you, that's going to be a big thing too. This, these yes. next couple of games is we better see love and price and great house and, yeah. you know, all those kind of guys. Well, well, we, we talked about it, Brian. And, and I know people in the chat were asking this at some point in the podcast of like, all right, well, you know, structurally, if they are a little bit more aggressive and they're able to kind of finish more drives, if that's not an indicator of Notre Dame changing something, right. Or having a growth mindset, what will, and, and when we were kind of texting about it earlier, for me, number one was I want to see more competition on this offense right now. Cause at the end of the day, what you're doing offensively consistently is not working. It's not sustainable for playing the best teams on your schedule. It's not working right now. So there needs to be some type of change. And for me, it always starts from, hey, if you're if you have some players that you feel like are not not situationally making a difference or not holding their end of the bargain or whatever, let's get some competition because I think there's two sides to it. Competition opens up. The players that are at the top, they either need to light a light a fire under their butt, right? Or they sink to the competition and they 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 triple. Or hey, maybe giving a Jeremiah Love more opportunities will let him flourish. And that unlocks something in your offense that you structurally did not have, have enough of in this stretch. Maybe Jaden Greathouse gets back to the swagger that we saw early in the season now that he's fully back from the hamstring issue. Maybe Cooper Flanagan takes off. Maybe Eli Raritan takes off with more snaps and more opportunities. Maybe Billy Shrouth, down the stretch of the se- stretch of the last three games, even if he's not the full-time starter, you start to build now and say, okay, that's a guy that we can build with in the future, going into next season. I want to see, and this would be the biggest indicator for me, of that there has been a self-realization by this staff that like, hey, offensively, we're not good right now, consistently enough. We're not. So what are we going to do to change the things? We have talent. Let's make the talent make each other better. Iron sharpens iron. I want to see some of these young cats get more opportunities. I want to hear about competition. When Marcus Freeman talks about the, the press conferences over the next two weeks, I want to hear about what they are doing as an offense to give guys more opportunities to push others or to get an expanded role in this offense. I want to see it. And that could be, again, offensively from a quarterback position. Maybe Steve Angeli gets an opportunity at times. Maybe Kenny Minch gets an opportunity at times. Running back, we see more of Jeremiah Love. We see more of Jadarian Price. We see more of at the wide receiver position, Jaden Greathouse being used in a better way. We see maybe Braylon James get some more snaps. We see Cooper Flanagan get some more snaps. We see Eli Raritan get opportunities in the passing game finally. Billy Shroud gets an opportunity. Maybe Charles Jagasaw gets an opportunity down the stretch. I don't know. I just want to see competition. What would be the biggest indicator that Notre Dame offensively understands there's an issue? Competition. Open things up and letting these kids show what they can do. I have no idea what Billy Shroud can consistently bring to the table right now because I haven't seen it. I have no idea what Jeremiah Love consistently can bring to the table because I haven't seen it on a week-to-week basis. Same thing with Cooper Flanagan. Same thing with Eli Raritan. If you allow this team to play and to compete with one another every single day and you evaluate that for what it is, no more setting your ways of these are our two guards, that's who's going to play, that's it, that's it. Audric estimates the bell cow. No, open it up. And this is no slight against Audric because I think Audric's been very good this year. And I actually think Audric's going to be probably a top 100 pick in April if he declares for the 2024 NFL draft. But the point of the matter is, is that there is talent that is not being used well enough or at all on this offense right now for an offensive unit that has struggled far too often this year. Competition will show me that there's been a little bit of a self-realization. What is your faith that that happens, Ryan? Because right now, honestly, I don't have a lot. Yeah, I I think it's certain. It varies by position for me, right? It varies by position. Like I'm I'm pretty confident that Dylan McCullough will get some running backs opportunities if they if that's what, you know if they're ready for it, you know. Like if if Dylan McCullough thinks that Jeremiah Love is ready for more touches, I actually have faith that he's going to give that give that room a little bit more of an opportunity, right? But there's other positions that I have no faith that that's going to happen. I mean, offensive line wise, I don't know. Joe Rudolph well enough at this point to know if that's a decision that he will make down the stretch. I don't know. Right. So I am hopeful, Brian, as I always am 
but I'm just merely a spectator of I'm sitting back and I'm going to evaluate, right? Because we talked about evaluating everyone from coaches to players and everything in between. If I'm Marcus Freeman, I'm also seeing who of my assistant coaches are letting guys compete, who are giving them the opportunities. Because ultimately, Marcus Freeman has a say in rotations and such, but who decides which running back gets the bulk of the carries? Dylan McCullough. He's the position coach. He's the one that decides that stuff. Offense coordinator. They and decide that stuff together. I would like to see Dela McCullough, and maybe he has, but I, if I'm Dela McCullough, and I'm, I'm going to say this differently because I don't know what Dela McCullough has or has not done all season. I'm just going to tell you what I would do if I was him right now. I'm going in the, in the office, and I would have done this Monday, and I'm pounding on the table saying, I'm tired of us not being able to make plays. I got a group of kids who can make plays. We got to figure out more ways to use them. Simple as that. Uh, it, like, I don't want to hear any excuses about how we can't make big plays in the pass game. Why? Why did we not do more to get to get Jeremiah Love or Jadarian Price in in space against Jeremiah Trotter, whose biggest weakness is what pass defense? Well, Notre Dame barely threatened him in that regard, and so they just allowed him to play downhill all game. And guess what? He dominated because that's his game. And so that's what I'm that's what I'm doing at that point. I, I'm going to say, hey, look, I don't want to hear this. Oh, we're missing Jaden Thomas. We're missing Dion. We're young. We're blah blah. Okay, that's the reality of it. But you know what? I got a loaded running back room right. that in the last three games has produced how many big plays? Kick return, receiving, mm -hmm. pat running. How about mm -hmm. we do that? Yeah, you know what I mean. So, you know that's. That's what I would. That's what I would like to see because that's where you 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 feel like okay. That's where I would have the most faith that guys are going to come in and step up. Is yep. that group because they've been doing it all year, and sure. they play with confidence, and you know, and maybe maybe that can be the thing that wakes the receivers up. Hey, hey guys, I'm more than comfortable just going twelve personnel or twenty two personnel or twenty one personnel and just getting Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price to football. Right now, here's the thing, though, Ryan. That requires a mentality change from the offensive yes, coaching staff. Yes, it does. And and that's something that I just I don't have a lot of faith that we're going to see that right now because I don't know that they're going to be allowed to do that right now. I I I my biggest fear is that Marcus Freeman is going to look at these next two opponents. Is he's going to say this like, guys, Wake Forest is averaging 22 points a game. Like they are not a good football team. We are not going to do things to try to give them chances to force turnovers and you know, make some plays and, and, and do those type of things and, and allow them to get in the game. We're not going to yep. do that no. So we're going to come out, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And we're going to let our defense win this football game. That, mm -hmm. that can't happen. And then if they do that, who gets blamed for it? Jared Parker, Joe Rudolph, you know, Gino Gattuli, Chancey Sucky, that kind of thing. Sure. Right. It's gotta be a mindset of, Hey, Jared, Gino, Chancey, Dylan, Joe, let's go. Right. Let's yep. go. So I, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I would, I shouldn't say that I'm not hopeful or that I am hopeful, Ryan. It's more about, yeah. I'm just an, I, I need to see it. Right. We've talked about it, but I need yeah. to see it. And that's, that's my thing. You're, you're a bystander right now, right? You're, you're just, you're watching and observing because this is a situation where again, I've never seen a Joe Rudolph led offensive line at during down the stretch for a Notre Dame team. Never seen it. Never seen it. I have no idea what it's going to look like. I've never seen Jared Parker down the stretch of a season as the offensive coordinator for the University of Notre Dame. Never seen it. Gino Gadouli, never seen it, right? There's offense coaching staff is one that I am still learning about, right? And learning does not mean that they're doomed, right? A lot of people, there's a lot of good coaches that learn and they continue to grow, right? There's a lot that do that. So I'm not here to pass judgment on this offensive coaching staff right now. I am here to say at this moment, I've been underwhelmed by this offensive philosophy and attack consistently. I've been very underwhelmed by it. But is that me saying I'm jumping ship and I'm saying all hope is lost? No, I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm not. Because, again, we're still learning about this offensive coaching staff. Will it be good enough? Maybe. Will it be good enough? Maybe not. I, I mean, it, there's two realities that exist right now. But ultimately, what I do believe is that we will find out more about this team, this offensive coaching staff specifically, down the stretch of the season. We will. 
because I think this bye week is placed in a spot coming off of a bad loss against you, uh, Clemson, where there needs to be self-realization. There needs to be guys evaluating themselves and evaluating one another. That needs to happen this season. So I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm not optimistic, but I'm hopeful. And that's the only place I can be right now because this offense is a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. It is. And structurally, there's there's a lot of things I, I would love to see. But again, competition, getting these kids to play fiery, those are going to be the signals that like, hey, guys are bought in and they're yeah. being pushed. And they're hopefully coming to the occasion of playing well. And I mean, structurally, we could talk about like, all the things I would love to see. I would love to see a little bit more of a sophisticated, creative passing attack. I would sure. love to see a little bit more of, you know, two backs, 21 personnel. I would love to see a little bit more of that. I would also love where, to where see you move that back outside more. Don't just leave yeah. them in. You know, I mean, you can do the split back stuff. That's great. There's things you can do, but there's also things you can do move them outside, spreading the field out, you know, like put Jeremiah Love yeah. outside, Ryan, and 21 personnel, and you've got Holden Stace out there and you know, Rico Flores or Jaden Greathouse out there who are pretty good blockers and and, and run RPOs. You know yep. what I mean? So, like, you know, hey, if you guys want to crash inside and try to take Audric, I'm pulling that sucker and I'm getting it out to Jeremiah Love on the perimeter, Jadarian Price on the perimeter, right? Now, again, I've said this before, in that particular look, I think Jeremiah Love is the guy that would be better suited because he's the shiftiest of – not that Jadarian Price isn't shifty. I mean, he is, but Jeremiah is the, has the most wiggle of all those guys, right? Yep. And, and so, you know, I mean – and, and the thing that gets me too, Ryan, is like, look, we can say whatever we want about, you know, their their injury or injure injuries and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm like, guys, it was basically the same guys that played against Pitt. Right. I mean, yeah, I know Clemson's really good on defense, but are they that much better than Pitt that you had to completely abandon everything that you did the week before from spreading the right. field and, and, and using RPOs and taking shots down the field. Literally you had to abandon all of that. You were that afraid of Clemson that right. you did that. Like, I don't want to hear, well, it's injuries. Cause if it was that Ryan, it would have just been like, we'd be seeing this at all, all every game. Hey guys, sure. so look, these are young kids, right? I mean, you know, we got to be patient. You know, Jaden Thomas has been out for two months and Dion's been out for two months and Holden's, you know, Mitchell Evans has missed two games and, you know, they've they've got all these injuries and Jadarian's coming back from an Achilles, so you can't really play him 30 snaps again. I mean, we could make all the excuses in the world, but if those were true and that was that debilitating, then we would have kind of seen this week after week where, you know, we, we wouldn't see them rip people up the way that they do. Sure. And that's that's the frustrating thing for me is it just looks so different from one week to the next. And that goes back to the beginning, Ryan, as we wrap this up. That's a mindset change. All the it stuff we just talked about of using Jeremiah Love and all that play calling, all that stuff is necessary. I want to see, you know, you'd mentioned it to me in a, in, a, in a text message, right? Be willing to be more aggressive in early downs. And it doesn't mean going empty and throwing, four, you know, four verts. It, it could also mean on first down, you know, running a 13 personnel bootleg where you take a shot. You know what I mean? Where, you know, maybe this time you boot to the field a little bit instead of always booting to the boundary when people are going to blitz an edge guy and you blitz into the boundary, right? And so... I mean, just those, but those are all things that are manifestations of, of just an aggressiveness that, that we haven't seen, but I just want to, but, but, but I just want to see this team do that, be aggressive, but then also just play with some fire because if yes. they come out and rip them up and, and, and just rip up wake, but it's just kind of like, we're just, our dudes are better than your dudes. That doesn't move the needle for me. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. yeah, it really doesn't. Again, I think we're talking about what is sustainable and what is not sustainable. Like, I think that them coming out against Wake Forest or Stanford and being more aggressive in first down, that'd be awesome to see. But ultimately, this offense's shortcomings have been against the great defense they played on the schedule. So I just think that offensively, structurally, I don't think there's a ton that this team will show me the last two games to make me optimistic for that being the big difference in this offense. It's more about the things behind the scenes, the competition, the ability to play more players, the vigor and the excitement that you get out of these players each and every week, get them excited to play the game. Those internal things, I think, is what we need to see translate to a Saturday. Need to see mm -hmm. that type of stuff. Is that I think that's really going to demonstrate whether this offensive coaching staff has not the reins, but like has the has the excitement from their players that are playing under them every single day. Because in order for a, t a player to play to their optimal 
optimal level, they one need to be used correctly, but then two, they need to feel like there is commitment to them. There's confidence in them. And then there's excitement about them and they will return that excitement as young players, 18 to 24 year olds, having that type of commitment and confidence from their coaching staff. I think that you will be surprised with how many guys rise to the occasion. I could be wrong, but I'm excited about it, Brian. I'm excited about it. So that's a offense that we want to see kind of down the stretch guys, a little bit of some offensive changes, but more philosophical shifts that I think need to kind of take place on the offensive side of the football, the defense. Again, we'll talk about some of the things that we need to see from the defense, but we really need, we needed to devote most of this time to talking about the offensive side of the football, because that has been the shortcomings in the biggest games this season, right? Ohio state, yeah. Louisville, even Duke in a close loss in the second half, like close win, the yeah. shortcomings right. in Clemson, like the, those shortcomings, have been more on the offensive side of the football. So we wanted to devote that time, obviously, to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, Ryan, we'll see how it all kind of plays out. Um, uh, you've got to finish strong. You know, I know Jesse and Vince talked about this last night on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. You know, like, look, I personally think you've got to find that sweet spot between you got to do whatever you got to do to win the last three games, and then you got to have more competition, right? Like, that. that's kind of where I'm at. And – you know, like special teams, with all due respect, I'm getting Marist and JD and Jack off all my special teams and let them be yeah. my guys on defense. And I'm giving, you know, Nolan and Drake Bowen and Jaden Osprey and those guys those reps. Yeah, you why know, why, uh, why have you been recruiting the linebacker position so well and you're not just kind of emptying the holster on special teams with those right. guys, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're 100% right. correct there, 100%. Right. So, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of Donovan Heinish and Jason Onye these last couple games, you know, if they earn it. You know, challenge them in the week of practice and earn it. You know, I would like to see a little bit more, more Christian Gray because I'm—I'll be honest. These last two games, I'm just—I have this really like I just don't want to see happen to Cam Hart what happened to him last year. Sure. You know that—that that doesn't mean don't play him, shut him down. But what I'm saying is, is you know maybe you mix in those younger guys a little bit more, keep his legs fresh, keep his shoulders, take a little bit of wear and tear off the pounding of his shoulders because his film right now is phenomenal. And he could easily go shut down these next two teams, right? And then, you know, I'd play him more against Wade, or at least against Stanford, at least early, you know, but those are the things that I want to see. And I don't know if we will, but that's that's what I want to see. I want to be surprised. I want to be surprised these last couple games of like, oh, man, they, they have a little bit more oomph to what they're doing each day offensively and defensively. So I want to mm -hmm. be surprised, man. I want to be surprised. 